Like I told you last week, as we go through Revelation, um, to break down every single detail, to get it all down into everything is just impossible. And that's not the point of what we're doing on Sundays. However, what I do wanna make sure is that we're teaching through this. We're catching a glimpse of what Revelation is revealing. It is revealing the one that we just sang about, Jesus Christ. And while yes, it is giving us insight into what is yet to come, uh, it's also speaking to things that are happening now. It's opening our eyes to a spiritual reality. Now, let me begin by sharing a little story that I think will uh, provide context for where we're gonna go today. Last, uh, what was it? Last month, shortly before Cassidy went to college, she was, she was uh, having her birthday right before she left. And so uh, she asked that I make her a favorite meal, which she loves, uh, she loves ribs. And, and so I, I have this master-built charcoal smoker. Anybody else have a master-built charcoal smoker? Okay, so man, I'm the, oh yeah, right here. Okay, so here's the deal. With, with those charcoal smokers, they're amazing. And I mean, the ribs turned out great. But what you do, you know, there's, there's an electric component to it that, uh, and, and so you unplug it. Then they have these little slides that cut off oxygen to the, the charcoal smoker. They got to make sure those slides are all the way in. Well, we had the meal. I'd unplugged everything, put the slides in. And uh, I don't know what happened if the slides got caught and they didn't go all the way in. For some reason, the, it wasn't cooling down like it was supposed to. And after we'd had dinner, we had another engagement that night. So I told Lori, man, it's probably just a freak thing. We'll leave, but we'll keep the, the garage door open. So like if there is some smoke, there's no problem there. So we did that. We came home and Again, it was just, it was still a little warm. And, and so I, I got in there underneath where the grate is, tried to, you know, free up some of the, the charcoals that were stuck together. I'm like, I think we're good. And we went to bed. About 3.30 in the morning, I wake up and I, it's like this, I'm in a fog. I mean, it's bad enough when you wake up at 3.30 in the morning, but I woke up in the morning and I was just like, man, what? is going on. Like I, it was this alarm was going off and it was something like, something like that. Um, I'll let you, let it go at that. But um, like, I'm, I have this loud noise, like what is going on? So I, I get out of bed and, and like, literally I feel like I can hard, I'm just like, I'm slow moving. And, and I, I, first of all, thought it was a fire alarm, but it wasn't a fire alarm. And so I go downstairs and, and I see this light just, in our, in our uh, dining room, just going off. And, and I remembered we had installed just the week before carbon monoxide sensors. But in the moment, I'm just, all I'm thinking is that is the most annoying sound in the world. And so I go over and I pull it out of the outlet and it's in my, it's still going off. And I'm like, and I'm, and like, I'm still, I'm half asleep. I'm trying to rip batteries out. Like, shut this thing off. I want to go back to sleep. And then all of a sudden it hits me that I'm smelling something weird. And I remember that whole thing with the grill. I go open up the door and just smoke is everywhere. Man, I open up the, I, you know, open up the patio doors, I open up uh, the front door. Like I, 3.30 in the morning, I, I open up the garage door, take the, the, the grill out. And the reason I'd had it in the grill, it'd be like a hundred and some degrees and I didn't want to smoke the ribs and be out there, you know, in the hot sun. And so I, I roll it outside and like, I'm taking apart my grill in the middle of the night, like making sure I got this thing totally done. And, and I go back in and, and the thing is still going off. 
And by this time though, like I'm, I'm awake, adrenaline is just, and instead of taking out the batteries, I left the batteries in because here was why. I wanted to know when we'd actually eventually got rid of the problem, we had taken care of the issue and so I stayed down there. The alarm finally went off. I knew that we had all of the fumes out of the house. Everything's good to go. Moral of that story is pray for my wife. I might kill her. Like I, I, don't, like, I don't mean to, but like we, I had no idea, but we had this alarm and though it was annoying, I didn't like it. I was very, very thankful I had installed that carbon monoxide alarm. What's it have to do with anything? Where we're gonna go today is going to be the revelation. Yes, we've seen Christ, seen who he's revealed to be. We're gonna see more about that. But what we're gonna see today is uh, the, the revelation of some things uh, that are gonna be part of a, a season of time. We don't know the exact season, but it's a, it's a time of tribulation. And there are gonna be two people that I believe need to hear the wake-up call, that need to hear the warning. As annoying as, those, as the warning might sound, as much as you just wanna think about something else or be part of something else, like, I, we, man, when are we finally gonna study a part of the Bible that we can get, you know, we can just get away from this? So hold on a second. There's, there's a need for us to be awakened. There's a need, first of all, for the believing church to be awakened. And I'm praying that somehow God gets hold of our hearts and, and speaks to us this morning. But secondly, um, if, if, there, if there's any of us here that are just playing games with God, um, honestly, we've, we've settled for just the form of religion rather than the real thing. We know we're, we're faking it. Or if maybe you're just here to make somebody happy, here to make mom happy, make your spouse happy, make your you know, parents happy. And I am praying that today, even if what I'm gonna share is a little obnoxious and annoying in your, in your eyes, I'm praying that this would be the equivalent of a spiritual carbon monoxide alarm that goes off that wakes us up because the church needs to be awakened. Unbelievers need to be awakened. And so we get to Revelation chapter eight, and this is at the very end of uh, this is at the very end of uh, the first set of judgments. There's three series of judgments. There's the seals, the trumpets, and, and the bulls. So this is gonna be the seventh seal that, that is being opened. And here's what we read in Revelation 8.1. When the lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. I literally had somebody ask me this morning, they said, are you by chance gonna talk about that place in Revelation where it talks that there aren't women in heaven? And I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, well, it talks about there was silence in heaven for a half hour. I'm like, you can't go there. Like, <laughs> somebody said, like, I even, me sharing, I didn't say like, I'm sweating. And so anyway, no, that's not what it's talking about at all. No, actually, uh, I, I joke about that, but no, in, in, Silence is actually used by a lot of the Old, Old Testament prophets as an example of, of judgment. Zephaniah, Zechariah, um, and Habakkuk uses this whole idea silence is, is when judgment takes place. And, uh, and so what we're seeing here is, is 
this is a time, if you read the next several verses in which the prayers that the saints under the altar were praying in Revelation 6, we looked at that a couple weeks ago, and then we looked at it again last week. These prayers are like incense. They're coming before God. He is going to respond to their prayers. And what we're gonna see here is that judgment is coming. And, and this serves as a transition for what we're gonna read here in, in verse six in, in chapter eight. So now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. Now in, in the Old Testament, when, when, you, when you see trumpets, you, trumpets are used to signal something. Sometimes they're used to signal victory. Sometimes uh, they're, they're to signal judgment. Uh, other times they're, they're used as, as a warning. And, and, and so as we, we dig in here, can, can you think of another place in the Old Testament where seven trumpets were sounded? Any idea? Can you think of anything? Joshua, yeah, Joshua, Joshua 6. The, uh, the very first battle that the Israelites faced when they came into the promised land was a Jericho. Jericho wasn't just a, a stronghold uh, you know, for, for the Canaanites. Uh, if, if you've studied anything about Jericho, it was, also, there was, it was also a spiritual stronghold. And as God called J Joshua to this, he gave him a really interesting battle strategy. In fact, it probably resulted in a lot of questions perhaps of the people uh, that, that were marching. He said, I want you to march around the city six days in a row and I want you to be quiet, stay silent. The only thing that is to be sounded are trumpets. Blow trumpets as you're walking around for six days. On the seventh day, you're gonna blow the, you're, you're gonna blow the trumpets, everyone's gonna shout and the, and, and the walls of Jericho are going to fall. But, but what, what the, the, first, the first six days as they marched in silence, the, the trumpets were literally playing a sound of warning saying, judgment is coming. And as we're going to see here in Revelation, there's, there's some similarities to this. The first six trumpets of, of Revelation are, are these warnings that are leading up to the seventh trumpet. And when the, the seventh trumpet is blown, if you, if you get into Revelation 11, a study, I, we're not gonna spend a lot of time breaking this down specifically. What you're gonna see is that it's signaling the end of history as we know it. And what we're gonna see in Revelation 11 is that the great city, that's what it's called, referring to, that's what Babylon is called in, in uh, verse eight of chapter 11. It's going to be completely destroyed as Jericho was destroyed. But what I wanna focus on today is uh, the carbon monoxide alarm, if you will. Because what we're gonna see these trumpets serving as are, are, at, least, are at least three warnings, three wake-up calls for, for, for us. The first one, if you're taking notes, you want to write this down. The first four trumpets that we see is, is a wake-up call. This is the warning of earthly insecurity. And what we see here in, in, uh, in Revelation 8, uh, verses 6 uh, through 13, are, are uh, judgments on the earth in which these disasters, they're depriving the, re the, the rebellious of earthly security. Much of what the, the world instinctively, intuitively trusts in are going to be stripped away. We see nature being decimated. Now, 
I'm not gonna get into all of this, this now, but I believe that we're even seeing signs of some of this today, okay? And, and, and so we'll, here in just a minute, I'll, I'll break a little bit about the, the last days. But what, you, what we see here specifically in these verses at the first trumpet, there's, there's a third of the, of the physical earth that we see. Uh, there's the, the hail and fire mixed with blood. A third of heaven is burned up. A third of the trees burned up. Grass is burned up. Second angel blows his trumpet. It says something like a great mountain burning with fire is thrown into the sea and a third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died. A lot of people, I've heard people come up with all kinds of, like, well, I think that's a, I think that's an asteroid. That's what he saw was an asteroid. Well, I don't, I don't necessarily think that because we always got to ask first, is there, is there something else in scripture that's, that's similar that we can at least look to? To it may or may not be exactly that, but is there anything that gives context? Well, wouldn't you know it, if you look at Jeremiah chapter 51, verse 25, there's this description of Babylon as a destroying mountain that's going to be burnt by fire. And later in Jeremiah 51, he talks of Babylon sinking into the waters, never to rise again. And so it is, it, I think this is referring to this, this city Babylon that's gonna be part of what we're gonna hit in future weeks because in Revelation 18, Babylon's described as a stone being thrown into the sea. Now there's this third trumpet that is, that is sounded here, Revelation 8, uh, 10, the third angel blew his trumpet and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood and many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. And, and again, what, what I want us to think about, I'm not gonna get into this, but I want you to write in your Bible because at the end of the day, I don't care that you, know, you agree with me or not. I just want to give us things in scripture. Study the word, get in the word. I want you to write down Isaiah 14, 12. Actually, write down Isaiah 14, 12 through 15 so you get the full context there. And then write down uh, Jeremiah 9, 15. Uh, write down there. It's because Isaiah pictures the guardian angel of Babylon as a star thrown out of heaven into a pit. Um, I believe what we're seeing here, it's referring to uh, a judgment on Satan as he's attempted a coup against God and there are other places that, that, that will support that. There's a Psalms that talk about this. But, but then particularly the Jeremiah passage also refers to God judging his disobedient people, giving them wormwood, which literally is just a, a bitter herb that contaminates water and poison water to drink. How many of you have ever been to a country where they tell you don't drink the water? Anybody? Okay, like out of curiosity, has anybody got sick because they drink bad water? Oh, I see those hands. Like, so when we, when we went over to, uh, to Kenya, they had told us, they said, you know, just be very careful about the water you're drinking here. We're gonna make sure you have bottled water and all that sort of thing. And on one of the trips, it wasn't a person, a part of our group, it was part of another group, um, forgot all about that and went to brush his teeth, drinking and all that sort of thing. And let's just say he paid the price for uh, the thing. Well, this whole thing, what we see here is, man, things that we take for granted, man, are, are stripped from us. These, these, these things that, that we long for, for comfort and, and all of this sort of thing, we see the earth being uh, decimated, natural disasters taking place. The fourth trumpet that, that we see here is, is one of darkness. And it's very interesting if you, again, man, 
there are no accidents in scripture. The similarities that you see between the Egyptian plagues uh, and then what we're seeing in Revelation, I believe that what we see in Exodus is a foreshadowing here. But long story short, we're seeing these pictures of what is going to happen to the rebellious in the last days. And people are like, man, is this literal or symbolic? And I don't know for sure if all of these things are, you know, the, the details are literal, but what I can tell you this, because much of Revelation is using you know, symbolism to teach us, but I can tell you that it's speaking of something that is literally going to happen. Whether or not it happens exactly as we see here, the, the, the reality is this, is speaking to something that is going to happen. God is going to strip away what we on earth view and that we hold on to for security. Now, listen, I'm going to come back to this whole thing of, of last days. Peter, uh, when, he was, when he was preaching the first message on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter two, I got to set some background before I get to preaching, okay? So Acts chapter two, as, he, as the Holy Spirit has been poured out, man, people are preaching, everybody's understanding what's going on. Peter references a, a passage from, uh, from the prophet Joel, the minor prophet Joel, where it says that in the last days, the spirit of God is going to be poured out. Uh, you know, it talks about uh, young men, dream dreams, old men, all, all these sort of things. And his, his whole point that he is preaching in his message is that what is happening here on the day of Pentecost, it is ushering in the last days. So I wanna be really clear that we understand this. We are living in the last days. Now you're like, well, man, it's been like 2000 years since then. Like, is he really, is Jesus really coming back? Is he, yes, yes. Do we know that exact time? No, like everybody's been trying to put dates out for years. They've all been wrong. We don't know the exact date, but I will, I will tell you this, Jesus is coming again. We're living in the last days. And in the last days, there's gonna be different types of things that are gonna happen. There's gonna be tribulation. We're gonna suffer these times of, of the, this word tribulation it comes from a Greek word that, that is also translated distress. We're gonna go through distressing times. Jesus himself told his disciples, in this world, you will have tribulation. But he didn't just stop there. He said, hey, take courage. I've overcome the world. Like I, I'm not, I'm, I'm large and I'm in charge here. But I think there are times, especially here in America, that, that we kind of recoil from revelation because it freaks us out. We're like, well, man, I, I just, I, I hope we never go through anything or trouble. Listen, I do know, excuse me, there's gonna be a day when Jesus catches up his church. I do know that Jesus is coming again. I do know that there's gonna be a judgment. I do know that, that, there is, that there's going to be the, the wrath of God revealed against, against rebellious mankind. I do know that Jesus is gonna protect his people. In fact, in Revelation chapter three, verse 10, we, we hit this earlier, I think in April or May, but Jesus is writing to this suffering church in Philadelphia. And he said, because you've kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. Almost any place that you see 
the word hour in Revelation, it's speaking of a time of, of judgment, of unexpected, sudden judgment. And what he's saying is, I'm going to protect you. I'm gonna keep you from this. And whether he's going to take us up or whether he's going to, to seal us, protect us, what we know is that we don't have to worry about this. And so I think for us, it's like, oh man, I just, I'm scared about Revelation. I mean, what's that mean? Well, it means as a believer, that honestly, what we believe is actually gonna take place. It actually means that, that we have confidence that Jesus is gonna be revealed for who he truly is. What it means is that we need to stop worrying and actually start rejoicing in what we have been given. Now, the reality is we go through trouble. And guys, I don't, I don't know, like, I don't, I'm not one of those doom and gloom type uh, pastors. I believe, man, we have the greatest hope in the world as Christians. But, but, but what would make us think that we are deserving of escaping suffering for Christ that almost every other generation and every other people group has had to go through? Is it because we're that good? No. God, God has been gracious to us. Thank God. Nobody's at, like, I am not signing up for the persecuted train saying, hey, pick me, pick me. I, I want to be persecuted. But at the same time, when it comes, we actually, we, what it does, it just makes what we're reading here that much more beautiful. I've got a good friend of mine, Pastor Benny, uh, who, who's a missionary. We support his work, Alpha Ministries. He works in several different countries in which persecution is intense. He sent me pictures of what are happening to fellow pastors. They are being arrested and given the opportunity to recant their faith in Jesus Christ and they won't do it. Man, the pictures of the beatings that they're going through, they, they're, they're thrown in prison. And then some of them have even literally this year been killed. I had the opportunity to pray for a, a group of these pastors. And the crazy thing, I knew when I was praying this commissioning prayer by Zoom for uh, these pastors in this specific country, that I'm praying for people, they know very well what they're getting ready to go into. If they're gonna pastor, they're on the front lines. And, and man, it was like one of the most humbling experiences in my life. Here's, here's my point, man. Like we're, we're, we're so stressed about us being comfortable and our kids being comfortable and our grandkids being comfortable. Like, oh, I don't wanna bring kids into this world. I don't, hold on a second, man. Is Jesus still Lord? Is Jesus still in control? Like is, uh, it is time for the church to stop living in this cowering fear and actually embrace the message of revelation that the time is coming where Jesus is going to be revealed as the King of all kings, the Lord of our lords, the only one worthy to, to, open, the, 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 to open the seals, he, to open the scroll. He is the Lion of Judah that we sing about. We're gonna see him. I wanna see that. I don't want to run from this truth. And so my whole point is this, there's this wake up call that we need to embrace, but, but we don't need to fear this. We need to be aware of this because it, it should, it should for, for the Christians say, well, man, I got to do something about this. And we should. But you see, there's the second wake up call that as, as we keep going into Revelation 9, as we look at the, the fifth and the sixth and the, the seventh trumpets that I think it's very uh, significant that we look at. And this is the wake up call, the warning of torment, because it comes more to, it becomes more than just earth, uh, you know, us being stripped away of what we're, we find security in and earth being decimated and all of this sort of thing. As we continue to read, it gets, it goes, it gets even more dark 
Revelation 9.1. And the fifth angel blew his trumpet and I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. He opened the shaft of the bottomless pit and from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace and the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. Then from the smoke came locusts on the earth and they were given power like the power of scorpions on the earth. And man, you keep reading through this and it's pretty, it's pretty weird. Like it gets, it gets pretty dark. It's pretty freaky. But, but, but what I see here is, you know, here in, in verse one, the star fallen from heaven to earth. Again, I think this is talking about Satan. In fact, if you want to write by, you know, write by uh, your notes, look up Luke 10. And this is after Jesus had sent out his disciples two by two to go preach the gospel, to go heal and to cast out demons in the name of Christ. They come back and they're fired up about what they've seen. They're fired up that at the name of Jesus, man, demons are, have to flee. And, and, and Jesus has this, this interesting phrase, I saw Satan fall like lightning. And then he goes on to give them perspective. They're rejoicing in something, but they shouldn't rejoice just in the fact that there's this power that they possess. They should rejoice. Well, actually, I'll let you, you I don't wanna preach another message. You look it up. But what we do is we keep on, we keep reading here. We see these locusts, this army of demons. They're unleashed from this bottomless pit. They have as the, their leader, this fallen angel who in English, his name means destroyer. Again, I believe this is talking about Satan. And by the way, if, if you're new here, uh, when I say I believe, what you, what you gotta do is you just gotta understand, that's my take. Could I be wrong? Yeah, I'm not. Trust me, I am not infallible. I, I, I said something a couple of weeks ago and somebody came and called me on. I'm like, I did not say that. And I did. And so like literally I'm not infallible. But, but when I say this, I, I wanna provide context for, for what I believe here. But you know, I, I'm just saying that as I look at this, I believe this is referring to Satan. He's the general of demons. And what I see is that God in, these, in this hour, He's given them the role of inflicting punishment on sinful humanity. And so we keep reading verse 13, then the sixth angel blew his trumpet and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God. This is where the saints had been praying, God, how long? They're saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. And I believe as we're gonna see that these are not righteous angels. Like when we think of angels, we're like, oh, they must be good guys. No, not necessarily. Because we're gonna see that the four angels, verse 15, who'd been prepared for the hour, the day, the month and the year were released to kill a third of mankind. And what we're seeing is this judgment. This is a time of judgment, but it's a response to the prayers of God's people who've been praying, how long, God? They're crying out for justice. These four angels, they've been waiting to torment and they go wild and it's, it's, it's an ugly sight. And I just wanna pause because there are two things I wanna make sure that we grasp. Number one, uh, in Revelation 1.18, it's very clear. It, it specifically says that Jesus is the one who holds the power to death and Hades, death and hell. And so I, want, I just wanna make a, a, point, a point real quick. Satan is not a match for Jesus. Can we just get that out of the way? Okay, I, I, wanna, be, I wanna be clear. That what I'm speaking here is not a Star Wars thing where there's the, you know, you know, the, the good and the bad and there are these equal forces duking it out. That's not the case. Satan has to be given the keys. In fact, if you go to Job 
You, you look at the Old Testament understanding of this. We, we see Satan coming and going, but he, he comes when God summons him to come. Like literally this, you got to understand that, 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 that this, is, this, is no, this is no, hey, Satan and God are our equals here. God is large and in charge and he will always be large and in charge. Number two, number two, Satan is not a friend of sinners. Okay, and, and like, I think we get like, like, wow, truth bomb. Like, I don't think it's anybody here is like, huh, didn't see that coming. But, but no, but I think it's good for us to pause and, and think about this for a second. Jesus is the one that was accused of being a friend of sinners. But, but, but Satan is someone who, who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Now I'm gonna just take a, some pastoral privilege here just for a second. Man, I, I've been here at Grace for 12 years. So I'm only gonna talk within the context of Grace Bible Church. I've been here for 12 years. Man, I, I, have, I have seen people come, people go. I've seen, uh, I, I've seen people wrestle with this whole thing. Man, am I gonna go all in with God? Okay, I've, I've seen, I've seen the, the games we've played and all of this. I've seen, men when man, temptation has been severe. I've seen, man, people battle addictions. Man, we're all into, this is why we have Celebrate Recovery. We're, we're, we, we believe that, man, you can be free in the name of Jesus. But I've also seen people that were more interested in holding on to sin and holding on to Jesus at the same time. And that's what we be really clear. I've never seen that end well. This, this whole thing of, man, how close can, can I get to sin and still be a Christian? I've seen those games played. Man, if you're asking that question, you're asking the wrong question. The question is never how close can I get to sin? The question is always how close can I get to Jesus? I mean, what, what, as, as a pastor, man, what has burdened me and what, what hurts is where I've, I've, sinned, I've seen the results of, of, of just chasing sin. It's like, man, well, I, I have this. And listen, dude, the reason why we chase sin is because we desire this. James 1's really clear. Like, it, don't blame anybody else for this, man. It's literally us chasing our desires. We, we get to this place, man, I want this. I want pleasure. I want the sex. I want, I want the, the drugs. I want all of this, this, this sort of thing. We, we chase these things. We chase, we chase them sometimes. It's not the big ones. Sometimes we, 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 justify, uh, we, we justify lying. We justify hypocrisy. We justify gossip. We justify division. We justify these things. We chase this. We embrace this. But here's what I want, I want, I want us to know. While sin has pleasure, it's pleasure for a season. And, and, and guys, I, like, you can look at me as the old fogey or whatever, but I'm just telling you, I got 12 years of experience and I've got, I can trot out story after story after story to tell you the sin does not free you to be who you want to be. The more we get what we want, the more we find ourselves enslaved, the more we find ourselves addicted, the more we find ourselves uh, being stolen from. And we find out Satan is not a friend of savior, of, of, of sinners. What you thought would bring you life literally will ultimately, outside of the grace of God, eternally destroy you. It is Jesus who said, I have come to give you life and to give you that life more abundantly. And while I can, I can trot out the, the warning stories of, of where sin will take you, 
I can also think God bring out story after story of person after person who have actually taken Jesus at his word and found like that he is a friend of sinners who have experienced what takes place when he transforms somebody and they have seen for themselves what God can do in changing a life. And I'm telling you, Jesus is a friend of sinners because sin will ultimately lead in torment. In fact, in Revelation 9, I think it's summed up best where this affliction takes them. In those days, people will seek death and not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. And when I, when I read here in Revelation, it's actually very, simple to what, very similar to what we see in, in Romans chapter one. What we're gonna see here is, is God ultimately is going to give the rebellious what they want. In fact, you look at verses 20 through 21 of Revelation 9, like, like it's, man, demonic worship, idol worship, murder, sorceries, which literally comes from the same Greek word that we get English word pharmacy. Dude, I'm convinced that, that drugs, drug use is a gateway to, to, to uh, demonic affliction. I'm just telling you right now. I'm not saying it means that every single person who experienced drugs has been under demonic possession. I'm telling you, it is a gateway. And we can talk about that later. But man, you look sexual perversion, theft. I mean, it sounds like a wonderful life, right? No, but this is it when we align with the destroyer rather than with the savior. In fact, C.S. Lewis put it this way. He said, there are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those who in the end, God says to them, thy will be done. And what we see here is, is not this, this rebellious wanting to turn. In fact, it, even more so, they're, they're living in defiance of God. Now I'm looking at the, the clock. I got to summarize Revelation 10 to 11, four minutes. Here we go. <laughs> now, no, I, I, okay, so, so Revelation 10, study it this week. What you're going to see is John is recommissioned by God. To, to, to share what he shared, to tell what Christ has done, what is to come. Even in the face of persecution, he's recommissioned us to share. What we're gonna see in Revelation chapter 11 is two witnesses sent to the great city, again, referring to Babylon. Um, and, and I believe that, you know, I believe that's a symbolic of, of, of Babylon, symbolic of something else, but they're gonna be two witnesses that are sent and they're going to preach even in the face of persecution. They will not be able to be shut up even because of ridicule, because of anything, because of violence. Ultimately, uh, to, uh, they're gonna testify to the truth of God's judgment, even in the face of death. But I want you to know that as, as we close, there's, there's a third witness and, and read, through, read through Revelation 10 and 11. Uh, I'm not gonna get to all that today. I ran out of time, but three, number three, uh, the, the carbon monoxide alarm that's going off is the, this is the third war, the warning. It's, it's the warning of witnesses. It's the warning of witnesses. And so here's what I think I'm gonna do for, for sake of time to, to close our time here. Um, we aren't John. We aren't the two witnesses of Revelation 11, but church, we have a mission. We have a mission. And this is not the time for the church to shut up, to fail, to run away from what God has called us to do. Because here's a sobering truth that I want, I want to make sure we grasp, okay? One day warnings will end and judgment will come. One day warnings will end and, judges, and, and, and judgment will come. And guys, I think there's, there's, there's a few takeaways. If, you, if, if we're the church, man, it is time. It's time for us to stop thinking that God is, is impressed with all the religious events we attend. Can I tell you that we have a lot of different things on our church calendar, 
but, but it's never intended that everybody, that we, the expectation is that everybody shows up at every religious event on our calendar. In fact, idols show up at every religious event on our calendar. Th- those are opportunities, right? But, but I think a lot of times we, we think that, I mean, the, the thing God's intended for us to do is to raise these picture-perfect families that never make any mistakes. And, and so we can, you know, pat ourselves on the back about how good we are about that, that, that to, to live these, these perfect lives and, and to honestly come in together. And this is what we're gonna do. I've heard of people going to like multiple churches at the same time. And, and man, do you just pick a church? I, 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 pick a body because we're not intended to just come together and huddle together and wait till Jesus comes back. No, we've been called to be witnesses. And I think it's very significant that, that we're witnesses. And the question I would have for, 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 for you, how many unbelievers do you hang out with? Do you only hang out with believers? Think, think about that just a second. Like, like we, don't, we don't need to just witness to other believers. How, how are we gonna witness to unbelievers if we're around? Are we just gonna get a megaphone and shout at them and, and that's how they're gonna hear? Like, like, I had a guy come to me one time and he said, hey, I wanna start a, a street preaching ministry. He said, well, man, can the church support it? I'm like, man, I'm all for it. I said, as long, I said, now, I said, do you witness? Like, has your family heard your testimony? Do you witness at work too? And he said, well, no. I said, well, don't get a megaphone until you start there. And, and guys, there, there are times, listen, I am all for, for doing what we need to do and standing up for truth and, and, and certain things, school board meetings or, or on certain social issues or holding signs. Like I've been at abortion clinics too, okay? But dude, if, you, if that's like where it stops, we're not living out the, the great commandment of loving God with everything we have and loving our neighbors ourselves. Do you know how people are gonna listen to us? If they know your voice. And I think there's a takeaway for us. I remember, I've told this story before, when my son Trey, he was three or four, we were at the 12th Avenue uh, Walmart and he go, we, we came out the door and he saw our car and he took off running. And, and what Trey did not see and what the person backing up didn't see was that there was gonna be a collision here and there was a car that was backing up, Trey didn't see it, they couldn't have seen him, he was too little. You know what I did? Well, God, just pray, let me pray for Trey. I just hope you'll get hold of his life and just protect. No! I yelled, Trey, stop! And when I did that, my son, he did this whole thing like, oh, am I in trouble? And then he started crying. I yelled at him, not because I hated him, not because anything other than, man, I wanted to warn him something was getting ready to happen. That shouldn't happen. There, there, but here's the thing, he knew my voice. He wouldn't have stopped if I, if I didn't know him. You know, he, he, might not have, he might not have listened. He knew my voice. I would also say, not just that we as Christians should be these witnesses. Man, I'll, let me end this way. This, this is the hardest thing for me as a pastor. In fact, during sabbatical, man, I, the question had to be asked. It was one of the questions I had to think about. Is, is this something that I, God, that you're still calling me to do to be a pastor? And man, God made it very clear. I shared a few weeks ago, man, he, he made it very clear that he, he wants me to preach, teach, lead and pray. What he called me to do, he still called me to do. But the one thing I came back to is, man, I, I literally, while all, all kinds of social events, connecting events are very important, that's not ultimately what matters most. 
Man, what matters most is, is, is the truth and speaking the truth in love and, 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 and saying the hard things. So if you're an unbeliever, I want you to listen to me. Anytime you walk through these doors, you are going to experience love. I will guarantee that. If nobody else, you need a hug, you come to me, I'll give you a hug. Might be weird for both of us, but we'll do it. <laughs> so uh, so I, I, I promise you, you will experience love that has nothing to do with whether you're a Christian or not. But the second thing, man, that I want for grace to, to be when you walk through these doors or when you interact with me somewhere in the community or interact with the people of grace, man, I want this to be a place of truth where you hear the truth. Man, and, and, and the truth is this, man, if you're playing games with God, listen to me, stop it. And I'm not saying this because I, I mean, I wanna put more rules in your life. I wanna control you. Literally, I want none of that. I want you to be saved. I want you to experience the good life today. I want you to experience eternal life tomorrow. Man, I want you to experience, man, what, 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 this confidence that we can have, that we don't have to live in this fear. We don't have to live in this anxiety. But man, I want you to be saved because man, scripture has given us clarity on what is coming and it's not pretty. And I don't want that for you. And so man, what I'm doing as we close this service, at the end of the service, man, I will stay up here as long as it takes. Man, if, if, if you're like, I've been faking this or I've been kicking the tires on this or I'm just here to make somebody happy, man, listen, I will pray with you. We'll talk. We have other people that'll pray with you. I'll stay up here as long as it takes, but listen to me. What is being revealed here is that Jesus is Lord, but there is a day of judgment coming. Today, would you listen to me? repent. And God, I'm praying that that would be the message that we grasp, that even as we go from here today, we would understand that you in your grace are giving us a spiritual version of a carbon monoxide alarm. You're warning us that something is wrong, that unless changes are made, this is going to be deadly. Dear God, I pray that you would get hold of those who are lost. Dear God, I pray that this would be the day of salvation. I pray that there would be a turning but God, I also pray for your people. I pray that the church, would we would understand who we're called to be. We're not called to be a political activist uh, group. We're not called uh, primarily to, you know, to, to just be a, an event-based group. We're not just meant to have another social club. We are even in the face of persecution, even in the face of pushback, even in the face of, of, of sin, of ridicule, we're called to be witnesses. May we grasp the fact that we've been given this mission by you and may we graciously and lovingly live and speak truth and for what you will do in and through your people and for how you're going to redeem and save those for whom it's not too late as you warned them. I wanna thank you for this and I pray this with great confidence in the fact that you're not done. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen.